Hey there everyone, I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice and in today's video we're going to be discussing the elves. An elf is not going to be strange to anyone that's spent even a second in a fantasy universe. In fact, they might be the most widely known about race aside from the humans, maybe dwarves as well. Elves can be a mixed bag as far as reputation goes though. There's no denying the wisdom that comes from seven centuries of life, but their obviously otherworldly nature and measured approach can come across as aloof or even arrogant, sometimes deservedly so. Before we get into the video, be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. Now, onto our discussion about the elves. Because of their long lifespan, elves view time in a very different way than most do. An elf might mature relative to a human when young, they're fully capable within those first few decades of life, yet they're considered a child until the age of a hundred usually. Very abstract thought to me. Individual elves are responsible for declaring themselves an adult, and their name plays a very interesting role in this. An elf will actually choose a name for themselves in order to distinguish the fact that they are in the adult stage of their life. The family name could be kept in Elven, and they would probably translate it into Common when traveling, but this completely depends on the preferences of the elf in question. Mechanically speaking, there is a lot to love about this race. Right off the bat, all elves get plus two to their dexterity. They also have dark vision and automatically have keen senses, meaning that all elves are proficient in perception. A pretty important skill to have in D&D 5e, which anyone will tell you. Because of their fey ancestry and their elvish bloodline, all elves have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and can't be magically put to sleep. It's also worth noting that full-blooded elves are the only race that are immune to a ghoul's paralysis attack. A long rest for an elf is only about four hours, and they actually don't sleep so much as meditate or go into a trance instead. While it's easy to imagine elves as all being one group, there's actually three sub-races for you to choose from, and you should definitely take great care when making this decision because it will significantly shape your character's outcome. Let's start with the High Elves, because they can take many forms. They can either be really friendly or can be truly arrogant, as I've mentioned before. But above all, High Elves are associated with an understanding of basic magic, and as such, they get a plus one to their intelligence and get to choose a cantrip from the wizard's spellbook, regardless of what class they are. High Elves are scholars, and in addition to common and elvish, they'll be able to know one language of the player's choice. This subrace still has all of the weapon proficiencies that are generally associated with elves as well. Moving from the Rivendell setting to a more Lothlorien setting, we have the Wood Elf, and I think this subrace is generally what people associate with all elves, really. Deeply tied to nature and the natural world at large, they know how to move lightly and quickly on their feet, which means they have a 35 speed as opposed to the usual 25 or 30. Members of this subrace also receive a plus one to wisdom bonus in addition to their plus two to dexterity, making them prime selections for the ranger class. This connection to the wild gives them a very useful ability called Mask of the Wild, which allows them to attempt the hide action in just naturally occurring things, like foliage, rain, falling snow, or just bad weather. It's all fair game with this ability. This is good enough for any wood elf to attempt to blend in seamlessly from searching foes or even predators. And lastly, we have my favorite subrace, which is the Drow. They're often considered enemies rather than a playable class, and even the player's handbook instructs that you should ask the DM before building this type of character. Drow get a plus one to charisma and have absolutely exceptional dark vision that reaches a full 120 feet, as opposed to the 30 to 60 feet that limits a lot of creatures. 
villagers. All drow know the dancing lights can trip and can cast fairy fire at level 3 and can cast darkness at level 5 once per long rest. Their weapon proficiencies tend to be towards stealthier weapons like hand crossbows as opposed to bows, rapiers as opposed to long swords, things like that. Something to keep in mind is that all drow have a distinct disadvantage while in sunlight, quite literally. All sight-based attack rolls and perception rolls will be done with disadvantage if your drow character is in plain sunlight. So what are the best classes for my elf character? Well, this will depend entirely on which subrace you decide to go with. If you're going wood elf, for instance, I would definitely say mechanically and thematically really, a ranger or a monk would be a good choice because it takes advantage of those natural stat boosts that you get. A dex-based fighter might also be a good decision, and while a bit more uncommon for someone willing to weave an interesting backstory, a rogue is definitely worth considering as well. I would also say that, obviously, a druid is a good choice for a wood elf too. High elves are definitely great for going the wizard route, and while not as min-maxed as a wood elf, you could definitely still go the rogue or ranger or monk route as well. And an elven bard would probably really be fun to play. It's really hard to imagine, but with the right backstory, I could see this being really intriguing. Drow also have a plethora of options to choose from. A drow trying to be a good character would make sense as a Gloomstalker Ranger from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. A warlock, thematically speaking, would actually make a lot of sense if your drow character is trying to defy Loth, the drow spider queen, or goddess rather, within the D&D universe, trying to search for a patron to give them the power to escape a wildly different path that they were once on. Having gone over the three most popular subraces of elves earlier, I think it's best to go over the rest of the subraces at least at a glance. Starting off with the Arany High Elf, this elf from the Eberron setting is pretty close to a normal High Elf, just with an arguably better proficiency trait. All of the same things could be said about the Arany Wood Elf, pretty close to the regular Wood Elf, just with an arguably better proficiency trait from the Eberron setting. And then we have the Eldrin. Eldrin are basically just elves that have been doused in a bucket of Feywild magic. There are four varieties, one for each of the four seasons, and mechanically speaking, they give up a lot of their typical good proficiencies and spells in order to have a very useful teleport ability. The Eldrin variant, on the other hand, is basically just the old version of the Eldrin that got reworked into the current version and is illegal to use, so don't get too excited by anything I'm about to say. They've traded in that teleport ability for straight up Misty Step and get a bonus to intelligence as opposed to charisma. We have the Mark of the Shadow Elf, who are usually confined to just the Eberron setting, but they're usually assassins and also have some really cool stealth abilities and spells to work with. We have the Pallid Elves, and you can basically just think of these guys as magical albino elves. They're typically confined to the Wildemount setting and are, frankly, really overpowered to play. We have the Sea Elf, which is exactly what it sounds like, an elf that forgoes a lot of the proficiencies and spells that normal elves will get in exchange for the ability to swim really fast and breathe underwater. They're not quite tritons, but not quite elves either. Then we have the Shatter Kai, also known as the Shadow Fey. Think significantly more goth and pale versions of a drow. Mechanically speaking, they're very similar to the Eldrin, with an ability quite similar to Misty Step, but these guys also nab a really sweet resistance to necrotic damage, which may or may not come up in your campaign. And lastly, we have the Velinar High Elf and the Velinar Wood Elf. They're quite similar to their normal sub-race counterparts, except they are specific to the Eberron setting and have an arguably better proficiency trait.
As you can see, elves have pretty much earned their reputation, whether that be a good or a bad one. Their many sub-races make them applicable to just about any class or background you would like to play, and I really like elvish characters because they've been around for so long, since the Tolkien days, that people are really starting to make new and exciting transformative versions of elf characters that kind of comment on their longevity as a whole, and I'm excited to see more of that. Thank you so much for watching, I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week, and if you're making an elf character that you're excited about, I would love to read about it in the comments below. Thanks again for watching, my name's Patrick Ferguson with Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.